0: Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level, the ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist, Unfoiled. All right, guys, I am on cloud nine, 10. Is there a cloud 10? Because that's where I'm on. I have just sat down with my hero, my idol, my friend, I'm so proud to call her my friend, the one and only Bali Lama, Miss Candy Shaw. So I just feel like I just need to read a few things out because when I was doing my prep for this, it's just actually not shocking, but like shocking. The most powerful and influential woman in the professional beauty industry, Described by Modern Salon, the face of our industry, the most recognizable hair color brand. Like, I just, I can't even begin to explain how much I adore her and everything that she stands for and represents in this industry as one, an entrepreneur, two, a woman, three, a hairdresser, like, just everything. And she is the person who set that fire. There's a few, but one of the the people who set that fire in my heart and in my belly for this industry and showed me the potential that hairdressing could have and the money you could make and the amazing connections and people you meet. And I have some incredible people in my life and friends in my life because of her. And I am so grateful. So today I really wanted to share her story because I'm quite familiar with it. And something that I've learned is all over the world. She's known, but not quite to the extent maybe as she is in America and Canada is where I started. So I wanted to shed a little light on her story because it is quite unique that she actually grew up in the beauty business. And I wanted to talk about if she received some flack for that a bit. And if she's had this incredibly successful company and brand, she has an education company and manufacturer and all these things. And if people were kind of like, oh, like, did you just get that from where the family you came from or from the people you knew? And I think she is a true testament to the fact that it's her idea and her her hard work that's gotten her there. And she really talks about how a lot of people said no, which can be shocking when you see this successful brand, this eye-catching, the marketing, everything. Like I could go on forever about how much I love it and love everything that the brand and her family... Um, represent, but I just think you I could listen to her all day she's a wealth of knowledge, so composed, so well spoken, like to be To be like that is just very rare and really representing our industry and fighting for the next generation of hairdressers who are coming in and I just, I can't say enough positive things. So I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want you to listen and just take it all in and be in awe and enjoy it. And I'm so, so grateful for her taking the time to sit down with me and talk to me and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. So Candy Shaw. Oh, and the lady herself is blowing me a big kiss. Today is the day of all days, people. I am sitting down with my my hero, Miss Candy Shaw, the Bali stinking llama. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Only you would have props for a... <laughs> Well, of course, I mean, we gotta
1: up our game. I mean, Zoom has gotten sort of a bad rap, right? Everybody's so tired of, oh, can you Zoom? Can you have a meeting? And I say, hey, if you're gonna Zoom, let, let's bring in the props. Let's so have fun. So funny, I've
0: got my sunglasses and my beach ball over there. I should get it after, uh, we'll do, it. We'll do definitely. a photo up. I've got all the swag.
1: <laughs> right. Well, to me, it's, um, I think that, you know, if I think about hairdressing in general, one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's so fun. You know, I don't have the same methodical job that I go to every single day, day in and day out. And now, you know, having uh, spread myself into other areas, it's been so great to just um, learn this new Zoom and learn the whole digital platform. You know, it's really caused all of us to sort of reinvent ourselves. So kudos to you, my dear, uh, for reinventing yourself and oh, and, and you. bringing oil to life because I think it's amazing. You know, oh, people that's need incredible. to, thank you so
0: much. And, and it's great. It is something that we've had to, figure out how to connect i mean you you're in america and i'm in australia it's my morning and i appreciate you working with the time difference because we even had daylight savings on sunday and i was like oh crap it's going to change the time of (laughs) all my things that i've booked and figuring it out but having this digital platform and being able to connect between multiple countries and all of this is is really great so i really just i know The crazy schedule you must be on, and you yourself trying to figure out how to how to carry on and making time for me is just beyond. So I'm so grateful to to have you here.
1: Hour with Crystal than you, that's for sure.
0: Thank you so much. Well, how are yours? you're a little bit of a different egg than I've had on because I know a lot of your story and I've been so lucky to know you. Um, but I would love to kind of just start how I kind of get into every episode of how you got into hairdressing. Was that something that you always wanted to do? You have a very unique story to most that you grew up a bit in the salon, didn't you? So I would love to kind of go into that First, just to kind of hear your story.
1: Well, it's really easy. I'll keep it short and sweet. And get into the juicy stuff later. But uh, I'm still behind the chair. That's one thing I'd like to say. So, not only did I grow up in a salon, I'm still in it. Yeah. Uh, my father was a 60-year hairdresser. Um, he uh, was a competition hairdresser and won so many different competitions on uh, back in the days when they would do these crazy, uh, fancy, incredible uh, hair pieces and all these competition types of things. And so when I was a kid, I, was, I always tell the story about I had a learning disability. And so for me, it was very difficult to go to school. It was very difficult for me to do anything other than just see visual. And hairdressing really permeated with me because it was the first thing I ever really felt like I could do. And I actually could be successful at it. So just giving you the cliff notes uh, as a child, I used to ride my bicycle every day after school straight to my father's salon and I would sweep and fold towels and comb hair and learn to wash hair. And then from that point on, um, you know, I was running the joint. And uh, so it really was. Just a natural progression of how I felt like my happiness was, you know, passion for me was just watching my father so happy. He worked with my mother every day. And now I work with my son and my husband every day. Isn't that
0: great? I think about it all the time. Like if I had to go on the road with my mom every day of my life, it's a very unique beautiful thing that you have with your family and it's what makes sunlights authentic and genuine and all of these things and it's just homegrown family business. Are you still in the same salon that your dad had? Because I know it's the same name and these things. Well right?
1: my father started a, a smaller salon in a neighborhood close to where I grew up and okay. Uh, Then we moved to an area in Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I reside. And it was an area called Buckhead. And we actually just celebrated our 41st year in that location. So we're 5,000 square feet, 50 chairs, um, 50 year young uh, family operation. And so it really is kind of crazy when I look back and I think about how many years I've been walking through those same doors. But today I walked through those doors, I I put out a really beautiful day of hair, and um, tonight I haven't cracked open the wine yet, because I knew it was your morning, and I didn't want to make you jealous. (laughs) I can always go for a wine, don't have to ask me twice. (laughs) I here, you know, and I am, you know, I feel very fulfilled, I feel fulfilled because I watch people all day follow their dreams, and I watch, you know, staff grow, and um, I'm able to keep a pulse on my business because it's very easy to be an educator and stand on stage and talk about things. But if you're not really out there doing, you know, walking the walk, it's kind of hard to advise the student on the, ha- the how to's uh, when you're not even doing them. So I- I'm really proud of that. You know, a lot of folks ask me cause I'm just celebrating my 40th year in my career. Um, wow. I started cutting hair in the locker room of my high school and trade for math homework. Uh, you know, I couldn't do the homework. Like I said, I was, I had a learning disability, so it was easier for me to become an entrepreneur very early on so that I could figure out a way to pass class so that I could get the heck out of school. Cause all I could think about was not going to college, not going to beauty school, which neither of them I did. Uh, In Georgia, you don't have to go to beauty school, beauty college or university. You can actually apprentice. And so I knew that's the path that I wanted. So it was everything I could do to just get out of school and quickly um, began my, my hairdressing career. And here I am, you know, 40 years later,
0: still loving it every day. So incredible. And did you just like, obviously you kind of got to see these competitions and stuff very early in your career. Was that something that spoke to you right away? Or you loved being in the salon? Like, or was that something that you saw for yourself right off the bat? It's
1: funny because if something's in your lap and you don't really know what you're looking at, you know, it's, it's like when you buy a new car and you go out on the road and everybody's driving that car, you never noticed it before. Um, So true. You know, so true. And so, my whole life, I literally broke bread with all the finest hairdressers to 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 this industry. The people that to me are the real icons. You know, when folks talk about influencers and icons now of somebody who's been in the business five years, you know, I just kind of roll my eyes and say, whatever. You know, but (laughs) I was lucky enough to have some of the greatest. Uh, influences in my life, my father being a number one, my mother was a makeup artist, she was actually his model in those competition days, my uncle was a hairdresser, my aunt was a makeup artist, and any given weekend, uh, our dinner table was filled with people like Vidal Sassoon, um, Horst Recklebacker, uh, B, Paul Mitchell, uh, John and Susie Chadwick, all these incredible, incredible hairdressers, so I never knew I had that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I yep. was just there in the moment and talking the talk and walking the walk. But I
0: They're was just your parents' friends. When you're a kid, you don't, you don't know that I was always
1: so intrigued. And my mother used to make me go to bed, you know, just like, you've got to go to bed. And I would sneak down the stairs <laughs> and sit on the bottom of the stairs so I could listen to them talk, you know, because I was always so enamored by how they were inventing and creating and finding ways to come mm-hmm. up with things in business and things like the foil like I I watched my father go from you know saran wrap and little clips to them starting to doing foil from perming from pulling hair through a cap to the way we went from shampoo and set days to blow drying I mean I lived through all those eras of change now when something changes in the hair industry it's minor You know, it's a little thing. It's, oh, we're going to go to brunettes this week. You know, oh, (laughs) redheads are popular. Okay, extensions are big. But there's no real pivotal changes in our industry that are groundbreaking until balayage hit it. You know, and so it was just, you know, know, business as usual. So how did I feel in those times? I can't really honestly say I knew what I had.
0: It was just normal, yeah.
1: That I look back that I think more people need to learn about their forefathers and, 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 and mothers, uh, who paved the way for each and every one of us. Uh, you know, great people like Leo Passage, you know, amazing people who created curriculums and things out there that none of us really knew how we got to, or to it. What I did know is, um, you know, for me, I wanted to always not necessarily be better than my father or be better than those people, but to honor them and to always do my very best uh, to be the best I could possibly be. And to take those messages and those wisdoms and that nug those nuggets of wisdom and take them uh, into the next generation and the generations to follow so that they wouldn't forget it. So that's been my mission. I'm now reaching back and really pulling back some of the old school uh, thought processes so that people really know how things were created and why.
0: Yeah, and I think that that must be something that obviously led to you creating your own product and your own company because you were hearing these conversations of people having an idea and then seeing it be followed through kind of, whereas for maybe when I came in, I'm learning, I'm in hair school, I have my books, but there was no thought of, for me, who wrote this book? Who who came up uh, with this? Whereas you might have had a little bit of more of an uh, forefront experience to that. Do you think that that is what helped to come up with it a bit? Or it was just you? Like, Well, absolutely. I think if I look
1: back, you know, that probably gave me some more confidence. Yeah. I think I think what I would say to your listeners right now is that uh, everything you ever wanted to do in life is contingent on your relationships. You know, it's your relationships with people that can make or break whether your idea is going to come to fruition. Um, And I think that I had built really great relationships and, and so had my father. And so therefore, I wasn't as scared to step out you know, and do something, you know, for fear, I'd fall on my face. Cause if you don't think I feared falling on my face, I mean, you know, I, 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 there were times I was in the fetal position, you know, crying myself to sleep. What have I done? But I think that what I did know is that I always had people out there that had my back and I had always managed my career with incredible integrity and grace. And, you know, I always said that, you know, popular decisions aren't always right. And right decisions aren't always popular. And I knew I had a right decision to make. And, you know, it might not have been the most popular at the moment, um, you know, when it comes to building a brand. But I think the reality was, for me, um, I knew those relationships were there for me to fall back on. And I knew that the, the, the things, the wisdom that I had uh, of my dad's mistakes and some of the mistakes that I had seen, like when Horse, for instance, started Aveda, or when Paul Mitchell was starting, uh, obviously the Paul Mitchell uh, brand, or uh, just folks that I've known throughout my career that started brands, I had seen a lot. I'd seen a lot of good, bad, and ugly, but I knew that I couldn't just rest on my morals and think, well they failed or that failed or that got so big there's no way I can compete
0: that's exactly that's exactly where my head goes and what I've thought many times being like i teach your curriculum i worship your curriculum i think it is so it's just it's the first thing that ever clicked in my head like 100% percent i have been hairdressing i was learning foils i was on the floor doing that and it I could do it and people were happy, but it didn't make sense to me. And then I took your class and I went to Atlanta and I was there for three days and it it clicked. It all it all made sense. And I was like, how can I I'm like, she's done it now. So what where's room for us to come up with it? Like, how could how am I going to come up with something different? I think that's the really hard thing. And something I have been talking to people on this show and friends of mine who do educate and I'm like, how do you keep it original? Or how do you, yeah, come up with this, that it, it is unique when it's a lot of it's been done. Like how, how does that well, happen? You first got to get the snakes out of your head,
1: you know, because <laughs> you know, the you know, the devil's on your shoulder at all times and he's always going to be there telling you, you can't, you won't be good enough. It won't be fast enough. It won't be cool enough. You know and i had to get the devil out of my head i mean when i started this brand i had a great idea and i already was kind of bootlegging it you know i was already had my academy i was already teaching french cutting i was already teaching uh, balayage but i didn't have a product and i was sort of bootlegging getting a bag and putting in my favorites it's just sort of like my version of a birch box you know i would just get my little bag and put in whatever and give it to my student and say, go home. You can do this. I promise you can do it. And obviously that kept going and going. And then I, then my sort of my resources ran out and certain things that I couldn't, I couldn't get anymore. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know, I've got to figure out a way. This is a big deal. So I flew to, LA and I met with some big suits as I call them, you know, the, the suits that all sit at the board tables, you yeah. know, and they're all ready. Or are not and hairdressers. No, <laughs> clearly. And, uh, and I said, Hey, you know, I've got this great idea. I, I, I'd already built the brand. I already, you know, I knew how it walked, how it talked. I had prototypes. I had the color picked out. I had everything ready. And I went and I said, Hey, look, I really want you to sort of, buy into this, take, you know, help me do this. This would be amazing. You know, you already have all this intellectual property. You've got all these people, these resources. I'm just Candy, you know, I'm just one little girl over here, you know, with a dream. And they looked at me and I said, you know, Candy, you know, we, we really love your passion. We really think you're great, but uh, polyage in our eyes is just a trend you know, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. And I said, no, no, it's not. This is the little black dress. This is not going anywhere
0: Yeah,
1: because I had been with my father and those folks and I had watched foil take on the world. And I had watched, um, women take their hair out of rollers from, you know, and start using blow dryers. I had seen long barbering scissors go to short scissors. I had seen people take guards off clippers and not barber, like, you know, do clipper over comb. Things had changed in my own life. Yeah, And I knew Balayage was perfectly positioned to change the trajectory of hairdressers. So guess what? I got turned down and I got turned down in a big way. Yeah. And when I got in the car to go back to the airport to fly home, I looked at my son and I said, because he was with me and I said, screw this. I'm going to do it myself. You know, because even if I fail and even if I fall on my own, you know, face going uh, public with it, it'll at least survive in my academy and in my own salon.
0: Fair enough. Totally. Yes.
1: Yeah. So for an initial investment, I'll get that money back and I'll just use it up in my own salon, you know, yeah. and that's really why I did it is because I had that to fall back on, you know, my own salon. I thought, okay, I'm going to put, I put $50,000 of my own money. I, I put it all together. I, I just, I, I, I went to research and development. I, I worked with a chemist for two years and I knew that I was from Georgia. And it took and- that
0: long. It took two years going back and forth with it all. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love knowing all these things. I was talking to someone who built a salon and he's like, it took 18 months. And I'm like, what did you do for 18 months while you were wait? Like you don't realize the financial aspect. So I really appreciate you sharing that, the, the actual oh, money yeah. you put into it and the time that it took. Were you right. using a balayage lightener before you yeah. came up with sunlights? Like there was a clay lightener you were using and yeah. it wasn't giving you the results or not? Yeah. There
1: was not a clay lightener. Yeah. I was first part. <laughs> I want to be a, make sure everybody knows that. It there, was was me. No, <laughs> there was no clay lightener. There was a lightener that I was getting out of Europe. Uh, obviously balayage was a big, uh, I, I um, you know, it was no secret. I didn't, inc- and, you know, I didn't invent balayage. I just took balayage and Americanized it, you know, yeah. took it from where it was just kind of a little bit of a service over here that really didn't have a curriculum you know, people were just freehand painting. And if you were good enough to do that, great. But you know, not to get into the fundamentals of why a foil lightener versus a balayage lightener, but just to make something very easy and clear. When I ran out of this product because it dried up and the company dried up, uh, no pun intended. uh, (laughs) I said to myself, you know what, I'm from Georgia, the natural resource here is clay. I really think that if I put some clay in lightener, it would adhere to the outside of the hair and it would harden and then it would lift in the middle because it would stay moist. So it was just like when I was a little girl and I would go down to the lake and the sun would beat down on the red Georgia clay around the water and I would step my foot in and the top layer would be hard you know, like when you dip a strawberry in chocolate, you know, and then you just go right in and you ooze into the softness. And I was like, maybe I could try this. Let me try this clay. And I knew they had used clay and skincare. Clay is also used for the glossiness of magazine covers. And it's also used in China and meaning porcelains, you know, China plates, bowls, uh, serving, serving pieces. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to try this and I I want to see what this is like. And so I started playing around and needless to say, the rest is history. There's now a kaolin shortage in North America because every manufacturer known to man is putting clay and lightener, which, hey, right there, somebody could say to you, well, don't you feel defeated?
0: Yeah. You know, don't
1: feel like they copied you. Well, sure they did. And isn't that flattering that they copied you? Well, some days I feel like it is and other days it pisses me off, you know, (laughs) let's face it. I mean, I'm a competitor, you know, I didn't go at this just to sort of sit back and give all my ideas away and let somebody, you know, steal my curriculum and run off with it. Of course, no one wants to do that, but I know that there's market share for everybody out there, because if that wasn't true, think about how many different car uh, companies are out there or how many different vodkas are on the shelf. If you yeah. walk into the liquor store, you know, there's a million different, you know, bottles of wine, whatever, you know. So for me, uh, when, when I hit the home run, I knew, and no one had ever gone after the Lightner market, you know, it was always a color line, yeah. you know, it was color line. And then the Lightner was like the caboose on the train. Yeah. You know, totally. and, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to make lightener sexy cause I'm a woman <laughs> and I'm going to figure out a way to make balayage and lightener and curriculum and education and everything that goes around it really sexy. I know that sounds crazy, oh. but in the moment, like when I would go to hair shows, everybody had a bag, right? and every hair show they would get bigger and bigger and bigger oh my god
0: I mean, it'd be on the floor drag you couldn't even hold it <laughs> yeah. now you can put people in the back <laughs> i reckon i was in one at one point
1: point. <laughs> and so i said wait a minute no 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 i'm gonna put this in a box you know i'm gonna make this put it in a box i'm gonna put a class in the box and at the time everything that was trending was the independent contractor. So, for your listeners out there that went out on their own or rent their own chair or, you know, or, 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 you know uno o you know, a single station, it, as an educator, immediately I thought to myself, the one thing that a hairdresser walks away from when they're in a team environment and goes on their own is really great education. Totally. And they're not going to be able to afford it at my level. Okay, I'm not trying to be bragging, but I mean, they're not going to run off and take Sharon Blaine's boot camp, right? Because they can't afford it. And, but if we could create a box that could help them, that it was just a plug and play. So it was like the, I'll give you the printer if you'll just order the ink, you know, the printer cartridge thought from Hewlett Packard. You know, and so I'll create this box that's got great education in it, that's got amazing um, uh, ways to do it, and all the tools that you need, and simplify it. Remember, I had a learning disability. So for me, I would go to class sometimes, and I mean, I was so lost after 20 minutes in it, you know, I'm sitting there like,
0: what? Even hair school, like even hair classes is what you're referring to, yeah,
1: yeah. Things, you know, you go and someone's getting up there and they're telling you all these ways that they did all these techniques and these things. And I, I'm just like, can you just make it easy enough for me to understand so I can go back tomorrow to my ten o'clock guest and do it? Because this is so over my head. Yeah. In a way, and I'm not saying anything negative to education. It was yeah. just I was trying to think like a hairdresser and make it fun. Yeah. And so that's the birth of sunlights and you know the color yellow comes from obviously you just stole sunlight. the words out of my mouth
0: <laughs> i think that it is so i mean i've obviously put my yellow on today <laughs> it is something that once you are immersed in the sunlight's world and everything, it's like a cult's not the right word but it's just this thing that you see yellow I have to have that. It's yellow. Oh my God. Those yellow shoes, that yellow bag. I have to have, it's like this yellow thing that goes <laughs> over you and you like in our sunlights group, how many times are people just posting yellow things that they see? Like <laughs> or a llama or how Again, did you? i and in the yellow Ferrari.
1: I just haven't gotten it yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but true. It's true. And I like to think of, and I, you know, in all seriousness, you know, when people ask me about building a brand and how did you choose yellow? Like you own it. I said, well, first of all, yellow to me was the color of joy. Right. And, and sunlight's the sun. When I was a little girl, the very first thing I would do is take a piece of paper and draw the sun in the right hand corner and put the little rays of sun. And then I would draw my house with the tree and the swing and the little stick figures, (laughs) you know, and to me, there's not a person on earth that doesn't love how the sun feels. There's no one that doesn't love what a warm, cozy sun feels like, and so for me, I thought this is perfect. This is a perfect marriage of taking a color and creating that 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 uh, mindset of every time I see yellow, I smile, and every time I see yellow, I, I feel warm. I feel I feel alive. I feel um, I feel like a family you know and that's what sunlights was to me it was just if i could create that that it, it just brought in the the heartbeat of the brand and, and it's
0: so noticeable like when you go to the hair shows exactly what you said there's a million booths especially in america you know or the the bigger shows and all you see yellow walking around. Everybody knew I wore this sweater, my one and only yellow sweater. And everybody knew that I worked for Sunlights and everybody could see the yellow booth. There's, there's You don't need to know the booth number, the yellow booth, that's it. There's no other one. And yeah. it's, it's just, oh, it just well, gives <laughs> me joy.
1: <laughs> now, obviously my academy um, and my salon color is a royal blue because yeah. I'm a French cutter. So the, the French flag... Uh, you know, has the royal blue. So my academy, you know, was blue. And now I have created Moonlights, which Mm -hmm. is Sunlight's uh, brother, you know, to foil highlighting. And it's the first foil lightener with kaolin in it. Took a long time testing that and getting that going. But look, I got to say, I want to dial it back for a minute. I mean, so much of what has happened in my life has just been authentic and organic. And I know people use that word. They overuse that word. It's like when somebody tells me what's going to be the new normal since we've had COVID. (laughs) I'm like, have you pivoted? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, quit saying new normal because it's never, there's not, you know, that's not what we are. But I think what I want to say to folks is, you know, if you have an idea and you really believe in it, you have to, you owe it to yourself to fail and to get out there and to try, you know? And I I like to say I stand on the foundation of all the bricks that were thrown at me. I have been told no. As a matter of fact, if you haven't told me no, (laughs) then you're not really my friend because I have been told no by everybody and that's okay. So I say to your listeners out there, don't, be defeated. If you think opening a salon is your dream, if you think becoming a, 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 a podcaster or 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 you know doing something or writing a blog is your dream. If your dream is to work on a stage, if your dream is to do photo shoots, if your dream is to become an educator or uh, uh create a, a product, you know, you just have to have grit. And you have to be able to take no and realize that no does not mean never. Yeah. You know, no just might mean not right now. Mm-hmm. You know, no means maybe to me, you know, cause a no isn't always a hard no. Yeah. And you know, and, and to try it you owe it to yourself to do it. And I knew that I, I really, and when I tell you I had, huh, I probably had a 60, 40 chance of failure. I really did. I mean, of it was going to be eaten up by my own salon and my own Academy and my own relationships and my friends. Yeah. But I had to stick my neck out the other 60%. And, you know, to be honest, every single thing that has been developed with sunlight since then has simply been need based. Yeah. Right. It's just need based, you know, it's, it's creating hero products that are in need. And I think like a hairdresser. Yeah. I don't think like a manufacturer because I am a hairdresser. So for me, I know what I like and I don't like, and no one is loyal to any one thing anymore. Let's face it. Everybody's got in their kits a little this and a little of that because you find the heroes and you stick with your heroes. Which is
0: what makes sunlights the perfect product. And what I try to get out here and say is that it is this hero product. You can be loyal to your product company. And what you need is the powder. You use your developer that you already have. You use your toner. There isn't an option. And there's no sunlight to- demi for me to tone my balayage with that half the time I don't need to tone anyway. But you know, <laughs> it's true. Like it's, that's the point is you're not trying to take over somebody's entire business that with the salon, all you're doing is inserting something that half the time they don't even have, or they have that they don't use. It just sits there collecting dust because it doesn't even work.
1: Well, it's really interesting that you say that. One of the things that we say to distributors is that we're like a Trojan horse. You know, we get your foot in the door of a lot of accounts just because of the of power of this powder, you know, and that And the curriculum and all the reputation that backs just a product. Now, granted, we have wet line now, and uh, obviously, I've had I've sold scissors for years, French cutting scissors, which are really different than the regular conventional scissor. Um, You know, I've built, I've spent my lifetime building a huge curriculum. And I, you know, many times, I mean, when COVID happened, I, I gave it away. I mean, I opened up my library of every video and everything I'd ever created because I wanted to help hairdressers. And I think that, you know, and, and this is no, this is no me dishing on manufacturers because I, I, I really applaud some of the incredible product lines that are out there. But what makes me different is I'm not a, Uh, a manufacturer that went out and found an educator to teach on behalf of something that we made. I'm an educator that created a product, you know, I I'm an education company. I'm not just a manufacturer. And so that's what really people need is mentorship and coaching. And, you know, one of the things that I love about our relationship crystal is that, you know, the minute I met you, you worked for a friend of mine in Canada uh, I knew, you know, fast, we were fast friends in that instance. And then, you know, that that connection between my education, my mentorship, my coaching to you, which led you over to Oz, obviously, has stayed connected. And, you know, I'm really proud that I can stay connected with hairdressers regardless. My, some of my dearest friends teach for other brands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teach, use different, everything's and that's what you know that's what I think manufacturers need to understand is that you know you can buy up an influencer and you can go over here and think that's really going to push your product but I think what really pushes things is relationships and and you know if I endorse you uh as a human being uh to a guest or to a client um that's that that's what it's all about. And we have to protect each other and we gotta have each other's backs constantly and we've gotta we gotta share, you know. Uh we gotta give with our hands down, not with our hands up. You know, so many wanna just give something, but they're like, What's in it for me? You know, yeah. what's in What's in it for me? And I said I don't ever think that way. Like I didn't create a brand thinking I was gonna make all this money, I was gonna, you know make all this wealth. I was just going to be all this wonderfulness. I mean, the minute you start believing your own BS that you're great and you've won awards and uh, is the minute you die in my, in my book.
0: Really? I've got a question for you. So when you came up with this product and all, and the company and all of these things, did you find that people were like, not giving you the credit because you grew up with these people and saying like, oh, well, that's great that Candy came up with this product line and it's amazing and it's had success, but how can I do it? I don't know Vidal Sassoon and I don't have a foot in the door with people who invent, say Paul Mitchell and they could help her. They, they invented a product line and that's how, like, what do you say to that, to the people who don't have that, that leg up maybe that you had or
1: well, look. I mean, that's that's a very good way of looking at. Or, or wait, let me back up. That's a way that you could really go down a wrong road of looking at your life. All my life, I was introduced as Jameson Shaw's daughter, Candy. You know, my whole my dad was like E. F. Hutton, and I. Your your folks over in in Melbourne and and over in and and um, Australia are not going to know who that is, but. There was a commercial that came out and, it, and the tagline was when EF Hutton speaks, everybody listens. And so my father was the EF Hutton of hairdressers. Yeah. When he spoke, they listened because he was a, he was a forefather of so many incredible ideas back in the day. And so my whole life I was introduced as that. And that was a hell of a lot to live up to, you know, Jameson Shaw's daughter. Well, what really really hit me one day is right when I got Sunlight's going, all of a sudden he became Candy Shaw's father, mm-hmm. you know, and that was like mind blown because all my life, I was always in his shadow, you know, and now I was on the front of the stage and he was in mine. Now my father's my biggest cheerleader. I speak to my dad he's 85 years old almost every day. Um, and he, he is my biggest cheerleader, my, my biggest, uh, uh, endorser.
0: That's amazing. Uh, I actually I talked to Stevie English the other night and he was talking about his dad. He's like, my dad's my biggest cheer man. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> so he's your cheerman.
1: Yeah, I love it. But I will tell you, you know, I had a lot to prove, not when sunlights came around though. I think at that point I had proved enough in my own academy and I had, you know, quote, unquote, you know, been on some, you know, in some particular places that I had gone from boards to, you know, being involved. And, and, and so when Sunlights came around, I didn't really have to prove that. But when I was in my salon life, working, oh, you better believe it. I worked longer hours than everybody. I came late, left, uh, left late. I mean, I came early. early. (laughs) You came late, you'd be in trouble. You know, uh, my dad used to joke that, Hey, I give you a half a day off Christmas. What else do you want? You know, <laughs> but the reality is in the salon life, it was very, very tough. And when I took over the business, I bought the business for my father. And this is one thing I, I knew, I knew, I said, no, 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 no. You're not going to give me any handouts. Yep. I hired my lawyers. He hired his lawyers, accountants. We sat down, we had a, a complete deal. Cause I didn't want anybody ever to come back to me 10 years from now, whether it be a family member or someone saying, well, I mean, you know, Jay Jamie, that's and exactly
0: why I wanted to ask the question because I think that it could go that way for people and people sometimes don't celebrate when they should, you know? And I think that that's something I wanted to make clear on this and get, get that from you.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I bought it from him and that way there was never, ever that, uh, that level of, oh, well, you know, you got it handed down to you. Yeah. Now i worked my, you know, booty off for it and gave everything I had to it and, you know, was managing it before I bought it from my dad and yeah. grew it three times the size once I bought it from him. So, you know, but I didn't do that alone. You know, I did that with my family and my great team and I'm really proud of team I've created. And I think that, you know, right now our industry is in a lot of trouble. You know, we're in a lot of trouble. I mean, people aren't going to beauty school. Uh, They don't want to be hairdressers. Uh, You know, it's not nearly as great of a a skill that it used to be. I was uh, saying to you before we jumped on this call, Yeah. uh, you know, I'm on a, a board for Beauty Changes Lives, which is a... Uh, a nonprofit who, who's really trying to uh, come up with this campaign called "Make Your Mark" and and really try to encourage these young kids to get involved and go follow their passions and their dreams and go go to instit- you know the beauty universities again. And so, just like I was saying about making sunlight sexy, I mean we've got to make hairdressing sexy again because it's yeah. gotten so dumbed down. It's really sad, and yeah. it, I'm really because I'm fortunate in Georgia, you don't have to go to beauty school.
0: Okay.
1: You can apprentice. So I attract people because I'm an educator. So I don't necessarily have as much of the issue of hiring as a lot of others. Of a because, shortage. Because I'm an educator. But if I wasn't, I'm telling you, I mean, we're all fighting for the same pool of people. Yeah. And it's tough. You know, and if you had multiple locations, it'd be really tough
0: yeah well that's exactly what i wanted and i really wanted to talk to you about beauty changes lives and all those things because i talked to my friend carol recently and she is someone i worked with at the salon that i came from she's been hairdressing for 42 years as well and what she it struck a chord with me what she was saying that she goes now to career days at high schools and brings a whole troop of art, art artists. So musicians, they're like, people see musicians, but don't know how they make a living. Like you, you are incredibly good at art, but you're like, I can't be an artist. I'm not going to make any money. And same with hairdressing. And she goes in and gives her time and sheds a light on, on how this is the most incredible career and rewarding and profitable if, you do it right or you know all those things and i think what you do and the presence that you have and you know i have all these things of titles that you have most powerful influential woman in the professional beauty industry face of our industry it's true like the fact that there's someone like you who is worried about that or who does want to make a difference and make this a career that draws people in is so important. And I, I, that's what I want to be doing is really shouting like, this is amazing. Like watch this show and what, listen to me and my friends and all these people who have had the most incredible lives and traveled the world and been successful Mm. as hairdressers. Like how, what more, like, it's just, I think it's so important. Hey, he used to say to people, you
1: know, the beauty business is so amazing. I don't know why everybody's not in it, you know, <laughs> and, and that's so true. And actually, when I was a young girl, I was a cheerleader, right? So all my girlfriends, you know, Friday night, we would cheer. And on Saturday morning, I would wake up and, so we'd American. All eat, and I would be stepping over them to go to work, you know, because I had a job at a young age. And my dad used to say to my cheerleading girlfriends, "You guys ought to become hairdressers. You ought to become hairdressers." And I'm still friends with all those girls. Yeah. And uh, they they giggle now. They're like, "Why
0: in the heck did we listen to your dad?" You know? Why did? <laughs> Which is so different to have a parent saying sometimes, "Be a hairdresser," because a lot of the times it's the opposite. Of oh shit! I remember my granny being like. So what are you going to do after that? <laughs> or like, you know, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> like This is the job. What do you mean? <laughs> I just went to college. I've been an apprentice for th- two years. Like it's, I want yeah. to change that. And I have value and respect so much that that's your vision too. And it's always Absolutely. struck a chord I've, with me. I've, taken, I've been known to take
1: W-2 forms, right? And white out the name and just show the, the amount of money that a stylist makes for me. And send them home to daddy and to mama because I'll get these kids. They'll come into my office and they'll be crying. I want to be a hairdresser, but my mom and dad think it's a terrible idea. They think I'm a loser. My dad wants me to go to college and get a real job. And I said, okay, okay, you know, but I really love it and I really want to do this. And I, you know, white out the little thing. I go, go take this to daddy and show him this. This is a 26-year-old girl that fits the same, you know, protocol as what you are, and you tell him that, I said, if he wants to talk more about it, come and see me, because obviously, you know, fear is, uh, is lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? So fear is lack of knowledge, and so many parents don't know, but I got to say something to my hairdressing community out there. Part of this is our fault. Why? Because many folks out there, you know, take the money under the table. Don't report their tips correctly. Don't, you know, you're in a position in Australia, you get paid, you know, you get paid, but you get paid, yeah. you know, uh, where I am, it, I really- <laughs> you, you, get, get a, you get a commission. So a lot of what has happened is there have been folks that have hurt our industry for sort of cheating the system. And so now when you're reporting, you know, the, uh, your income, uh, you know, and you Google that, go Google it, go Google how much does a hairdresser make and see what, see what the eyes will is. fall out
0: of your head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was a mother and I Googled it. I would say to my daughter, no way. And heck are you going to go be a hairdresser? Hairdressers don't make any money. You know, they're just, they're just right They're They're like beauticians. And I was telling you earlier, I mean, it's, we have a six figure club in my salon and I was just you know, going to bring this up. And so 13 of, of, of our staff, you know, made it into the six figure club. And, um, you know, that's, uh, we've got some powerhouses. I mean, they make more than doctors and lawyers. I mean, sometimes when I go meet with an accountant or my attorney or somebody and I, you know, or, and they see these numbers, they're like, wait a minute, this, yeah hairdresser yep and I'm like
0: yeah you I'll dream. tell you that was the turning point <laughs> the the one turning point I had was I, I always wanted to be a hairdresser and I only saw it as say working in a shopping center or you know not I didn't see it profitable and then I started going to this girl who worked from home with my mom and she had a basement set up and I, it's not what I wanted for myself but what I could see was she was making $100 an hour. She was doing my hair, my mom's hair, the lady beside me's hair. We all were giving her $100. And I was like, $100 an hour? That's what a yeah. doctor... Like I, I'm i not going to be a doctor, but that was the moment. That was one. And that's how I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to hair school. And the second one was being at your, your weekend away and sitting there and talking about the six-figure weekend. And I was like, Because $100 an hour didn't add up to me in what a yearly salary kind of was, you know, didn't, I didn't think about it that way. But when I met your staff, and when I met you, that number has never left my head. And that incentive has never left for me being like, why can't I be making that money? And when I moved here, or when anywhere, any salons that I've gone to or anything, it, completely, it makes me like shaky. Like how can I go from say six figures where I was very, very close to when I left to coming mm-hmm. here and going in on an introductory salary that there's not much wiggle room of almost half sometimes. Like how is that possible? And you put that, that work ethic in me that I wasn't going to stop doing clients until I hit that number because I knew it was possible because I saw your staff doing it. Yeah. And you were talking about the weekend, you
1: know, they win, they win a huge trip and, you know, we do all kinds of celebrating. And I, I, I truly believe that what gets rewarded gets repeated. Yeah. Uh, and so we spend a lot of time cheerleading and, and um, you know, applauding those types of things because I am a team salon, you know, I, obviously there's plenty of people that, want to go out on their own and be an entrepreneur. it's not for me. You know, I, I like feeding off other people's energies. I like to look at other people's shapes and their, their paints and their foils or their whatever they're doing and, and feed off that education, you know? So you, you make that choice. I mean, and, and I, I try so hard in, in our industry right now, you know, because a, I'm, I'm an educator. You know, I'm an educator first, right? That's really where my heart and soul is. Obviously I am i own a salon um, and I have created a manufacturing brand. But for me, I just want to encourage more, you know, more people to follow their dreams. Like I have an educator that works for me that went to beauty school at 50. 50? You know, 50 old. Maria. Yeah. Went to school at 50 years old. Why? Because... She had a son that got a, a spinal cord injury and she realized that she needed a flexible job. She was in banking. She always loved hair. She went to beauty school at 50. She flew through it, needless to say, because she was you know, disciplined and so that she could work from home. So she could take care of her uh, quadriplegic son who she wouldn't have been able to do banking or mm-hmm. doing other job and is is very successful at it. So I think you just have to find, you know, what makes you tick and there's all kinds of opportunities in hairdressing. It's not, you know, you can have a lot of a little of Mm -hmm. everything, you know? And um, so if you're not happy where you are, you got to get happy. You know, you got to work in a place that makes you happy, that, that fulfills you, that makes you excited to get up and go to work too. You know, because creativity doesn't breed in a negative environment.
0: Genius. Yeah. Oh, I just could talk to you forever. But I think that this has been so, so valuable. Like, I know you could go in a million ways and we could talk about a million things. But I think what I really wanted to get across, we've covered and I just think that you, yeah, are the most grace, like poised, like everything you just so composed and can talk. And, and, and what you say, people want to listen and it, it has meaning. And I just appreciate so much you taking the time to sit and talk with me. for, <laughs> you know. So cute. When you sent me the email and you said,
1: Oh, will you come on my show? I'm like, right. Crystal, you even have to ask me that question. Uh, number one I would have done it anyway even if you weren't crystal you know because I obviously have a relationship with you but I would I would do it for anybody I mean I I do it for beauty schools all the time I you know I give constantly of of my craft and my passion um for this craft and I'll help anybody have a leg up you know it's it's I think that um you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I think it's important that people always remain a student. Uh, I go to work a student every day. Uh, um, and I'm, I, always, I always say this in my classroom, and that is that when you're green, you will grow. And when you think you're ripe, you will rot. Yeah. And so I say to your listeners out there, you need to listen to uh, all different perspectives. And more importantly, you need to follow your dream, and it's never too late. I started Sunlights at fifty. Uh, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken at sixty-five. So it's never too late to do it. I'm goosebumps. Yeah, and just get that little devil off your sh- shoulder and go for it. And what's the worst thing that can happen to you? You just learn from your mistakes and. Yeah. I always say, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. And there's always a lesson there. So thank you for allowing me to teach a bit about my lessons uh, and to share with your listeners uh, how how important it is to always pay it forward.
0: Incredible. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Kiss. Mm I started off with a mustache. You think that was good? Yeah, well,
0: I reckon I have a mustache too because the beauty salons haven't been open for six months. So yeah, thanks for that. We've just
1: balanced each other out. It's so true. Quarantine 15 and everything in between is what I say.
0: Oh, I love it.
1: I love but, it. Uh, congratulations. And um, I'll see you soon, I hope. I hope so too. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.